Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and I am pretty geeked up about today's episode. Uh, today, we are going to be talking and checking out NBA League Pass as a Dockerized Angular SSR, PWA, and HMR. Uh, a lot of acronyms there, a lot of cool stuff. Can't wait to uh, check it out. So let's say hi to our panelists, and then we'll get in and meet our guests. And by the way, I'm rocking the uh, Sacramento Kings. My, I got to bust out my throwback jersey. Uh, double nickel, Jay Will, so uh, big NBA fan, big basketball fan, so had to bring it out for the show. So here we go. Let's uh, say hi to our panelists. Joining us today, we got Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everyone? Pumped to be here, too. We got Mike Brocky with us. Mike, what's going on? I can't unmute myself, uh, so I don't know how well that's going to vote for the episode, but if I can't unmute myself, uh, I might not have a lot to contribute here today. But I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. All right. That's good. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. All right. Our, our guest today joining us is Brian Martin. Brian, how's it going? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks a lot for coming on. We're, we're really stoked that you're going to be here and sharing us some knowledge and some stuff going down here. So looking forward to it. Uh, Brian, you want to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself so they can know what you're up to? Sure. I'm currently an applications architect uh, for MBA.com here at Turner. Uh, we do everything from APIs and services that power our 25 connected devices and apps, uh, everything from Xbox One to iOS. Uh, then we also do uh, everything for the websites, uh, both desktop and, and mobile. Nice. Nice. Thanks. All right. So how, what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be checking out. Uh, so today there's an app that we've been working on, um, and no promises on any of this actually getting out there in the wild. It's more of a prototype at this point, uh, but we're going to be checking out an app that does uh, a lot of the goals and features that we've been looking for uh, to take everything from a server-side Node.js library and move it from that to web, and then also move that to uh, native clients. Uh, that's one big goal that we've had. Another big goal is just performance in SEO. So SEO, SSR works quite a bit for that. Um, and a few other things that we've been going into, but uh, I guess we can go ahead and uh, start up the uh, presentation that I've got here. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into it. Sounds good. Live coding yeah. now? Live coding. 30. Yeah. All, all 45, 55 minutes left. So it's going to be awesome. No mistakes. I promise. All right. So let me get everything shared there. All right. All right. They gave me these fancy slides. Uh, everybody see my screen OK? Yep. Did anyone Great. tell them that the, the letters are cut off there? <laughs> <laughs> believe, yes. Uh, I believe they have gotten that feedback, but uh, they have not changed it. And it is a little strange. I think it's like supposed to be designery and cool, um, but I don't get it. Uh, but yeah, uh, NBA League Pass, Docker, SSR, and a bunch more. Um, so again, uh, no promises for this. Uh, we're still kind of prototyping and trying to figure out our technical direction 
for everything that we're doing. The prototype is kind of being created to help us find that direction. Uh, there's a few things that we've really enjoyed, and I think I have a, a pick for that that we'll share later. But uh, for right now, uh, I'm going to go over just a few of the things that we've thrown into this kitchen sink of an app. Uh, the Can I ask you a real quick question. Sure. So you mentioned prototype, and I've found that different places consider different levels of prototyping. Is this something that is prototype of? Hey, you know what? If with a few more tweaks and a little bit more cleanup, it could go live. Or is this a prototype in? Hey, this will be thrown away, and it's just a, like a proof of concept. Um, I think it's slowly transforming into something that will become a lot more concrete uh, and could eventually. Uh, be used in a real-world, in-the-wild application on NBA.com. So I think it's more of the former. Uh, but well, uh, Either way, we appreciate you sharing. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of this was with the old app, we had been on Angular since uh, RC1, right? And we were kind of in a uh, no-ng-module monolith-type world. Um and we didn't quite have all of these texts that we've been wanting to use uh, available to us. So we're kind of looking at it as a greenfield field type project and uh, just seeing what works and what doesn't. Uh, some of these have definitely worked better than others, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll go through some of it. So what is MBA League Pass? And this is not actually a shameless plug, although it kind of feels like it. Uh, Essentially, you can stream games with it. Uh, so let's say you wanted to watch live, archive, uh, NBA TV, VOD, things like that. All of that is streamed across all of our uh, connected devices and apps. Uh, there's different packages available. You can do League Pass, uh, League Pass Premium with no commercials, Team Pass for each one of your teams, Single Game, which I think we're one of the first leagues to provide single game and we also do quarterly pricing so as the game goes on the to buy that single game it gets cheaper um and i think we were may have also been some of the first people to do quarterly pricing and then we just released a 10 minute pass so you can buy 10 minutes of league pass all at one time um so turner and the nba uh both work together to provide these digital and linear platforms. So I'm on the digital side, uh, but we also do broadcasting. So if you're watching, you know, uh, some basketball games, you're probably going to see those on TNT, True TV, uh, things like that. So um, that's the linear side. But I'm more strictly based on the apps, connected devices, and web uh, uh, with the joint venture that we call MBA Digital. Uh, but yeah, we pay the MBA a certain amount of money to run the site and apps and connected devices. And in return, we run ads, uh, can, uh, marketing campaigns, and things like that that make up the money that we spend. Uh, it's kind of like a licensing agreement. I don't know all the details of, of that. I'm more on the technical side, but that's my very high-level gist of it. Uh, so what are we doing now? So. We are using Drupal on the back end. Uh, we use Drupal and Angular in a progressively decoupled way currently. Uh, so each block that you see 
uh, on NBA.com. For example, the left rail on the homepage with the scoreboard. That's a block in Drupal, um, but Angular uh, goes and bootstraps to that block and loads all of the scoring and other contents uh, that's needed in order to display the scoreboard. There's also some geotargeting uh, and things like that uh, that go into the scoreboard. And we use Drupal to progressively decouple the sites uh, with Angular. So Drupal provides the contents and the structure, but Angular provides a lot of the dynamic rendering and uh, personalization. Um, the last thing that we're doing right now uh, that I wanted to touch on is AWS. So getting everything Dockerized in a container, but then also uh, creating you know, cloud formation templates. So you have infrastructure as code and uh, getting everything into ECS and ECR, uh, spinning up EC2 instances. Uh, we're even maybe looking at serverless. Uh, but getting all of that spun up and integrated is also a, a part of the Angular equation. So some opportunities that we currently see in what we're doing now and why, I guess, this app that we're creating solves some of our problems. Um, making testing a priority is something that we really want to do. We currently have uh, about 70% coverage in Angular uh, through uh, Jasmine and Karma. But uh, we wanted something that was a greenfield project and you know, forced that coverage uh, to be at a much higher level, but also uh, to have that coverage be uh, even better and more specific uh, and have, make sure that the unit tests really stress test the system which is something that I don't feel like we have now. Uh, unified and targeted API. Uh, currently, we have a lot of services and APIs on the back end. Uh, we're kind of looking at GraphQL. Well, not kind of looking. We are looking at GraphQL to help unify and provide targeted payloads for all of our APIs. Uh, performance. Uh, this is really the biggest issue that we have with uh, the front end of MBA.com right now. Uh, the site was, to give you a little bit of background, created in a hurry. Um, so uh, each year I try to get uh, the league to push back All-Star, and for some reason they won't give us more time on it. Um, unfortunately, we have very hard, and that was a joke, we have very hard uh, deadlines for everything, and you know we're very driven by that. Uh, because of that, when the site was first created, performance wasn't, again, one of these kind of uh, priorities. And now that we have maybe not a lot of time, but a little bit more bandwidth, uh, we're really looking to tackle those performance issues um, and maybe maybe, uh, no promises, uh, take Drupal out of the rendering pipeline uh, for the front end of the site. Um, I have a quick question on that. Sure. Uh, so then Drupal is providing some of that UI aspects, and, and that's then just driven and just displayed in the Angular app. Is that correct? Yes. Gotcha. Um, so the, the structure of, of 
Angular uh, or the structure is provided by Drupal. Think of it as like a piece of Swiss cheese with holes in it, and then the holes get filled by Angular. I think that's a terrible example, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, cool. But yeah, what's that? I was just saying. I was just saying. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Drupal is doing a lot of the rendering now, especially for articles and uh, not as much for videos. Those are actually very close to a single page application. Um, but uh, yeah, Drupal is doing a lot of that rendering. That takes a lot of time, but also we've just thrown, you know, so much stuff on the front end. Uh, we have ads, crux, uh, analytics. Uh, I think we have three or four different analytics libraries. You know, uh, our teams here at Turner and the teams for the league and NBA New or in New Jersey, um, they both have different wants and needs and trying to unify things with maybe like uh, segments or an M particle um, has been something that we've been focusing on, but really speeding up the server response time and uh, allowing Angular to render faster with smaller payloads uh, is something that we've really been looking to do. Um, Cross-platform code reusability. So this is an idea that our VP has had and has kind of challenged me with. And it's how do we write a service in Node that's running, let's say, in a Lambda function and reuse that exact same code on you know, web and uh, you know, both desktop and mobile. And then how do we then again reuse that exact same code in oh native God. apps? Um, and it's a problem that we've been trying to solve uh, for a little while now, either through Browserify and Angular and native scripts. But it's one of the big opportunities and cost savings that we're looking to get uh, out of whatever architecture we create. Um, so again, some of our, our goals, easy to use, hot module reloading, um, local HTTPS, uh, performance testing locally, and also making sure that everything is 12 factor. So you know, environment variables and everything uh, isn't dependent uh, or tightly coupled to anything else. Um, for our application goals, uh, we've been really looking at a single page app, but we've also had some talks more recently about what micro apps could look like. Um, I don't think we're completely sold on the idea of micro apps yet, but I think they are very interesting to us. Um, Server-side rendering, of course, uh, gives huge benefits from SEO and time to first bite. And we're really looking to um, redo the entire front end that Drupal is currently doing, hopefully, maybe, possibly, uh, with an Angular SSR. Um, the more I've been working with PWAs, uh, the, that's probably the biggest just reliability and performance uh, that I've seen. It's been really amazing to see how well the app responds once it gets converted over to a P PWA. Of course, that has to do with the speed, security, and stability. Uh, for stability, of course, we're looking at things like artillery, which is local load testing of the code. Uh, we'll 
do a fast load test, not of the architecture, but of the application code itself on each build. And of course, native scripts, code splitting in Angular, and uh, additional monitoring uh, through things like New Relic and um, Conviva, which is for video and other analytics reporting. Um, so some additional architecture goals. I mentioned CloudFormation earlier, but uh, that's uh, infrastructure as code. Um, so right now, you could actually go into our AWS accounts and delete everything, just all backups, all everything. And with our infrastructure as code, we would be able to get spun back up uh, fairly quickly. Uh, all that infrastructure is just a, a link away or, or an upload away. Uh, we're currently in AWS with code pipeline. Uh, we're using that instead of Jenkins or a few other things. Um, I'm currently using everything in Docker with ECS and ECR, but uh, I did see that there was some pretty cool plugins for serverless. So I'm really interested to kind of see how that goes. Um, I think we're really looking at, well, we have auto scaling uh, with Docker containers in EC2, but you know even the EC2 uh, hosts take a little while to spin up and scout horizontally, and you know we have to configure all the rules for compute and memory for when to scale up, um, and it just seems like a lot of that headache goes away with serverless, and we've really been trying to as many of our services into that serverless architecture with lambdas uh, as possible. I think you guys all know what serverless is, but for people that are listening, um, serverless is kind of like, and I actually am worried to say this, it's kind of like on-demand containers. It's not actually containers. Um, they go into uh, frozen states and a hot state um, and then eventually get deleted, but so they serve one request at a time. They do not have implicit state, um, which is not to say that they don't have state. Uh, so if they're in a frozen state, they will actually reuse the state from the previous connection, but you have no guarantee that they will have state. So there's a few little uh, gotchas with serverless, but I think it's something that we're definitely interested in looking more at. One of the big uh, challenges I'll, I'll add there on serverless, one of the big challenges there is like, how do you build web apps with stateless like backends, right? Um, you're like, oh, you know, our, our app is like completely stateless. But then when you start thinking about like, what if I have web sockets that are updating my app and things like that, that's where it gets a little hairy. Um, and the vendors are starting to realize this, and there's things like um, AWS has AWS Amplify, which actually does like a serverless function type thing with a GraphQL backend, and it has WebSockets. And then, of course, like Google Cloud has Firebase functions, which kind of have that type thing as well. So it's not to say that their serverless is always not stateful there are new offerings that can do these type of things, but they are very Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Oh uh, yeah, I had no idea about a lot of those offerings. Um, and yeah, I think that's great feedback. That's one of the big problems uh, with serverless. It's, it is great for some things, but 
um, you know, as soon as you really start wanting, you know, a cache in memory that's reliable and always there, um, which is definitely necessary in a lot of applications, uh, it starts getting a little bit hairier, right? Um, it's definitely something that maybe we look at uh, other cloud providers for uh, provisioning of things like that. Um, we also use quick links uh, in a lot of our code. And uh, quick links are great because I can click on a link in my YAML that matches a template up to some data in S3 buckets, and it automatically will provision a new environment. Um, so, um, being able to kind of reprovision all of your infrastructure that way is really interesting. Um, and of course, we want to be on HTTPS, which implicitly uh, means you need to be on HTTP2. Um, and someone in a meeting the other day actually mentioned HTTP3. And I, I thought I was up to date on this stuff, but I guess three is the new hotness and Google's serving like over 50% of their traffic from HTTP3 already. But um, something more to look into there. Um, all right, now for the fun stuff. Live coding? No. Um, so uh, I've got a demo. Uh, half of the time, this works all the time. So we're going to go ahead and uh, take a look at that. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll come back to this page. So this is our demo. Um, it's not all there yet. <laughs> uh, what we've been doing is trying to lay really, really good uh, framework for writing and developing code as best as we can, as best as we know. I think you guys are leaps and bounds uh, ahead of me. But, uh, you know, especially with the NX workspaces and a lot of other stuff. But um, so what we've been doing is uh, this is currently uh, our leak pass endpoint with the leak pass player. I killed the video in it just in case there could be copyright issues for right now. So, But just imagine like a gorgeous 4K 60 frames per second video playing in there. Um, and we'll, we'll go for that. Uh, one thing that we've been doing is, of course, code splitting. Um, so as you go and pull in new routes, pull in just the code that you need, um, say with membership as well. Uh, another thing that was a little bit tricky for me was uh, getting 404s and 301s and things like that to work correctly. Um, so uh, we did some work on that, and now you get true 404s with this app as you go th through things. The other piece to look at was the, the 301 or 302. Um, still needs some sprucing up, but we do get true 302s and stuff like that with the server-side rendering of this app. Um, of can course, you talk, yeah, can go you talk ahead. about how you accomplish that or how that fits into play with the Angular app? Sure. Um, let me go ahead and pull up the code. I mean, if you have it planned, <laughs> I don't want to jump you ahead. Oh, no, no, no. This is all good stuff. Um, yeah, let me uh, open up that project. And this is a little bit of sacrilege. Uh, VS Code, right? Like, that's that's the cool thing. Um, I use PHP Storm because we're still using Drupal. Uh, I know Boo 
but uh, it's. No, I, I can get behind that because you know, that's WebStorm right at the heart of it. So sure, um, sure. Yeah, powerful editor. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll wait for this app folder to open and take a look at some of the four o twos or three o twos I've been working with. Uh, also, getting like native script and all this other stuff integrated was was a beast. Um, and can you, uh, if you get a chance, zoom or enhance that a little bit, or zoom in, or I forget. It's yeah, PHP Storm. Yeah. Um, let me get into the app module, browser module, enhance. Okay. Make that bigger. Is that looking better? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so there's that. We want to take a look at the app component.ts. Um, so this is where we're doing some universal logic. Uh, I believe it's actually in the lib, and we're still getting used to kind of this NX workspace type of idea. Um, but uh, services, I think I put it in the server service. Yeah. So I'm not 100% happy with this code. But uh, so we're saying if we're on the server, I'm subscribing, subscribing to the router events. For right now, I'm just saying if the event URL is not equal to the URL after redirects, then 302. Um, I think what would also happen here is maybe you would generate a config from Drupal where we control kind of 301s and 302s, uh, shoot that out at a endpoint, and then ingest that and say, you know, for these URLs, uh, do a redirect of 302. I think this generally works, though, uh, for anything that you put in the router uh, to say, be a redirect, right? So I have that go home redirect, and it just says redirect to home uh, path match full. So um, yeah, so kind of just mentally thinking about that, like that's done in universal because it's got to be done server side, right? For the mm -hmm. server to deliver that 302 response to your browser. So you you got this code in Angular that's you know typically we're writing to run on the client side but handling the universal scenarios that the server side can report back 302 to the browser. Is that correct? Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, I show this to people and it's a little bit of a, you know, mind blown type moment, uh, you know, cause you're writing Angular, right? Angular runs in the browser. Uh, but then we do have these kind of options uh, to run stuff only in the server. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, another way to kind of get around this, I've noticed I've been writing a lot of like this.universal uh, 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 is server. And uh, I think another interesting way to do it is maybe you could actually inject just a service that runs only on the server in your uh, server-based app module. So this is our server app module. But I guess I could do something like, you know, providers, uh, live coding. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. this. You guys tricked me into this. This was not planned. <laughs> I blame all of you. Um, 
So that's use fair. That's fair. <laughs> so use class. So I know I have something called a storage class currently. Um, so that uses um, storage service. Um, so that uses local storage, right? But then you could do um, provide, provide, maybe just provide, um, you know, Redis service, something like that. And now we can provide the Redis service. Redis service does not exist, so uh, obviously it's going to be red, but and I forget if this is use class. You guys keep me honest, um, but it's one of these. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, we've been kind of thinking. Well, instead of having all of these if statements for the universal service, uh, go ahead and just maybe inject uh, other other services that are just for the server side uh, in this. Um, yeah, I like, I like that thought. I wonder if there's any way that we can eventually get to where we have that type of logic, that server-side logic for Angular apps, like contained somewhere where it exists in its own little package, like you're saying, or, or something that, that as we work on that code, maybe that would help that mind map of going, okay, this is done server-side, but it's in my Angular app, you know? Yeah, that's a great idea. Like, you know, maybe you have those services, uh, but then when you go over to you know, your data access layer, or your your services, you have a folder that's server and a folder that's browser, and then you just import and everything, the, the services that you need in those places. And then maybe that will help some with that, that mind mapping, like, oh, I know this service is only ever gonna be run on the server side because it's in the server folder. Uh, I'm just kinda, kinda, talking off the cuff on that and that might be a terrible idea but it seems like it it could help yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that's the 302s and then we also uh, have uh, some fun service names but uh, and then this is just the 404 oh where am I doing the 404 um, let's take a look at that actually. We're using Broadly compression. There you go. Uh, Server.ts. I'm doing some stuff there. Um, yeah, we'll come back to the 404 pages. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can just set a header for it um, and also look at the routes uh, to set that header on the way back. Uh, we use typically these set status and other functions to. Uh, set those codes and again there's a lot of is server logic that i'm just not i'm not super happy with as we've been doing this and i think like we talked about would make a lot of sense um so of course the routing um allows us to oh uh do all of the uh lazy loading uh i think it's and you guys keep me honest on this i think it's important to not do something like League pass uh, module. Otherwise, uh, you know, of course, your code's always going to be pulled in. Uh, keeping it as a string like this makes it so um, it will properly load it and tree shake everything. For now. Um, for now. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Any insights on that? Um, 
Yes, so dynamic imports. Um, looks like that's going to be the way that these are done rather than having magic strings uh, to do a um, lazy um, import. Okay, cool. That should yeah. be... Is that like doing the import statement right there, right? In that load children, setting that value? Correct. And then that returns a promise and yes. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I think uh, standard, uh, less magic stringy. Right. Right. Because especially I'm using these aliases and that just makes it like even more magic. Uh, yeah. It'll be nice with, with the that import statement, right? Because then you get that nice code editor navigation when you click on that and can trace that code. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but yeah, you know, we are getting pretty happy with this. Um, there's a lot of pollen in Atlanta, so just an <laughs> FYI. <It's> uh, okay. <laughs> my manager is wildly allergic, uh, so she is blowing up right now. Um, so the not found components, uh, I actually just did a ng on init and then this dot server dot set status 404. Uh, and since the Angular routing just loads this component whenever it doesn't find the route, it just, whenever it gets loaded, it just sets the status to a 404. Um, so that's kind of how I went about that. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but that's just the way that kind of uh, made sense to, to me. Um, nice. So like in that scenario, the 404, you really didn't have to implement any server-side specific or universal-specific code because Universal would just do the rendering, find the no route, and your Angular app would, would do that, right? Yep. I just encapsulate all that logic in this set status function. Um, and I think that's kind of what I've been moving towards is you can kind of call any of these functions and you don't worry about whether it's necessarily the server or the browser. Um, you just call them and you know that the function will know how to route things. Um, but yeah, also of course, uh, PWA, right? So right now uh, we are uh, doing update on reload and bypass for network. So um, it's a little bit slower. It's not quite there, um, but I can go ahead and take that off and then it gets quite a bit faster. Um, one fun thing that I think everybody likes to do is, of course, throw it in offline mode. You'll see this little MBA image go away. Uh, and, of course, great. It looks like the image for the player got moved out to a CDN that we're not caching. Um, but, of course, these... This goes 100%. Uh, this always works about half the time. Um, so yeah, this kind of is my canary in the coal mine to let me know that I'm in this mode. Of course, you can still load the other pages. Um, you know, one interesting thing that I haven't tried out is this go home. Let's, let's just go for it and see what happens. Um, ooh, not happy. What happened? All right. So, 100% of the time, this works 50% of the time. Uh, but yeah, let's get back in there. And we'll go back to... And so did you uh, just use the Angular PWA library to, to add your PWA functionality to this app? 
Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the MG service worker and all that. So we'll go ahead and get all that in there. But uh, you can go offline, of course. Uh, see the image. Go away um, and all that. But uh, it's kind of it's kind of neat. It's kind of interesting. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to really work with this stuff. Um, but yeah. And so then, do you imagine uh, for that? Like, there'll be other content on there. Uh, because obviously, if, I mean, if the video, you know, if, if we're out online, we can't watch the game streaming, right? So will this application still have other content that would make it valuable for people? Like, I could still use it offline sort of thing? Is that yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the – so we have those several large projects coming up. One of those projects uh, currently is uh, going to be related to our storefront. Um, so that might be kind of the, the closest area – uh, that you'll see uh, this app getting deployed. But what we have a lot of problems with is Drupal is slow, sometimes takes a long time to respond, and those errors could potentially get bubbled up to the end user. Um, so what we've been doing is uh, kind of creating this this app as a PWA to help us recover from, from some of those issues. Um, so for example, now, you know, if I go to google.com, that won't load. But if I come back over here, slash three pass, it comes back. Um, so we've really been looking at it from a resiliency perspective, but also a performance perspective. Um, and I think uh, making sure that people are still able to buy, even though the Drupal backend might be down, we have a plethora of other services uh, that you can work off of, all in kind of a microservices type architecture. Um, and as long as those are up, in theory, uh, as long as like the page is still loading and still responding, you'd be able to still purchase League Pass or watch a video or something like that. Um, and again, a, a big part of our uh, needs and wants with this is performance. And of course, there's not a lot going on on this page, so it may not be the best example, but uh, we do have a Lighthouse CI, uh, which is a continuous integration NPM package that we've put into uh, the Docker file and code build and code pipeline. And it'll actually fail to build if any of these metrics get too low. Um, this is something that we're still tweaking uh, because, of course, different times of day, um, you know, things could take longer to respond and, and things like that. So at the very least, we've been using something called uh, Calibre to uh, report on the statistics of our site. So right now, production MBA, uh, you can obviously see uh, a few uh, issues here on the performance side. Um, and this is really what we we are striving to fix. Um, Calibre is great, though. You just it's a command line tool through npm. You just run it, and it's fire and forget, and it'll go ahead and uh, start a run in the dashboard for you. Um, so again, uh, Lighthouse uh, CI is something that we've been working with uh, quite a bit. Uh, the lazy loading, which you saw earlier. Um, another few things that we've been looking at uh, is chaos testing 
and I also mentioned uh, artillery a little bit earlier. Before so, you get into that, I have a sure. question. So you were talking about performance and the possibility of uh, caching that data. And earlier, you also mentioned the idea of utilizing HMR. So mm -hmm. I was curious if you were doing anything formal in regards to state management. Uh, for state management, we're currently using NGRX. Um, and this is Rocky's favorite topic. <laughs> I, I'm not looking to get into that debate. I was just curious, uh, uh, only because if you're going to be doing hot model uh, replacement HMR, you need to be able to store that state off. And if you have it all in one place, then that um, helps enable um, preserving that state in between application loads. Gotcha. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I think we're, we use uh, NGRX quite a bit on MBA.com currently, and I think that's been one of the larger success stories for us. Um, being able to have one kind of smart component that subscribes to the data store uh, at the top, and then a lot of dumb components that that data gets filtered down through via the store and that reactive programming paradigm has been pretty criti critical in a lot of these uh, applications that we've built, especially our game detail pages with this, you know, uh, four different videos uh, that you can have playing. Um, but yeah, for the hot module reloading, this takes a little, a little minute to start up, um, but I had to do a a lot of tweaking to get hot module reloading to work uh, in a way that uh, really works well with uh, the serverless rendering. Um, it's a, uh, you know, I, the SSR kind of runs on one port and then the stuff for hot module reloading runs on another port. And I wanted the two to kind of get married together. Um, and I figured out a way to combine the two. Uh, it's very hacky, and I don't want to, uh, you know, tell anyone to use that. But I'm basic off in another area. But uh, yeah, essentially, we got something working that I'm I'm pretty happy with. Um, don't be concerned about having hacks. In my opinion, <laughs> the idea of best practices is just a widely accepted hack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of is. And the uh, basic auth for our login is not test test. Um, it is when we're testing locally. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so let's see if this fires up here. Uh, it would be cool if it did. I swear, this is crazy. It's like the, the demo gods know. It just now. Yeah, well, 35% of the time it works all the time. <laughs> I warned you before we started. You <laughs> said live coding. Live coding. It's it's different. It's different. It's so weird that it isn't working, though. Um, anyways, uh, you can go on port 4200. And this is where all the hot module reloading is going on and, and all that. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think I've really enjoyed the hot module reloading because it's just, it's so freaking easy. Um, so the idea with that then is that with that HMR, then um, as you're working on the app, 
in your browser and changing state. Maybe you're clicking on something, adding something to a cart, and then you make changes in your code and the, the app reloads and it reloads your, your browser. That same state comes back to you, right? Yep. So uh, we'll just do it on 4200. We will skip the server side rendering because I think I think one thing to note on the HMR stuff is that like it doesn't you don't have to use like a state management system as long as you like have state somewhere right one of the big things that I like to do is try to build my URL in a fashion that like it is stateful that way like people can copy and paste it and things like that and so even doing simple things like that you can take advantage of you know that is essentially state management just putting it, serializing it into your URL. So, I mean, HMR will still work with that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, NGRX, it just gives you some some helpful things, you know, like even the time travel and things like that, it's, it's all been kind of cool to work with. Um, but yeah, you know, the hot module reloading, it's nothing crazy. Um, let me go ahead and zoom in here. Um, but uh, error timed out. Update on reload. For some reason, the service worker is caching. Uh, it thinks it's in service worker mode. Okay. Let's go back over here. New incognito. Try to cache all that out. 200. Yeah, it is not happy. The service worker is colliding with it, um, even though it says there are none registered and everything is updated on a reload. Just trust me that the 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 hot module reloading it's pretty sweet. Uh, we'll we'll skip this for now. Um, so I story detour. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You're good. You're good. Uh, so we also have Storybook integrated. Um, Storybook is a atomic design uh, library. Oh, it's so angry. It should be failure. Uh, I love Storybook so much. No. So um, much. Let's see. Storybook. We don't have anything interesting set up yet uh, in it, although we don't have it set up in this app. I will show you what we have set up on MBA.com, uh, which I probably shouldn't, but I feel bad how that's hot module reloading went. It was not great. So we'll go ahead and move over here. Um, but yeah, right after my laptop is done freezing. Um, so this is the local version of Storybook that we've integrated. Right now, it's just you know the very default stuff, but it comes from the idea of uh, atomic design. So atomic design is you create the smallest possible uh, atoms of design for your application. So an example of that is, let's say for us, um, let's say for us, uh, we're wanting to reuse an image across the site. Um, that could be an atom, like a player image or a team image or something like that. We would use that as an atom. Uh, from there, uh, we would go ahead and start doing 
um, let's say, some text that goes underneath the atom. Uh, we'd go ahead and uh, create another atom maybe for that text. Uh, the combination of those two atoms would then become a molecule. The combination of multiple molecules would then become a uh, organism. Uh, organisms become templates. Templates become pages. Um, if you architect your site in a way that really uses this paradigm, imagine having like a couple hundred atoms or something like that, uh, and your whole site was architected that way, you can quickly go ahead and prototype something else out uh, that you didn't even think you could create before. But since you have all of those atomic elements to work with, you can do it so quickly. Um, of course, all MBA.com services are not responding at the moment. Um, so that's, that's tons of fun. Um, so I could show you uh, some of our other uh, atoms that we've created out there. Oh, so this is the production one. Uh, but uh, it doesn't have quite as much. But like I said, some of our atoms are this. Uh, let me blow it up some. Some of our atoms are like this. Headshots, team image, mm -hmm. uh, links. We have our typography. Uh, then we go up to molecules. Uh, this seems like a little complicated molecule to me, but that's all right. A little complicated, but that's okay. Then our organisms. And we're slowly breaking everything down that we have and uh, are turning it into uh, these kind of uh, more atomic uh, uh, pieces of the site uh, to reuse. This obviously will be broken down more, but there are a lot of supporting atoms here for the team images and some of the text and everything. Um, so then, in, like in an Angular world, would be thinking these atoms would be like components or maybe directives? Or um, I guess it depends, right? Um, so for most of this stuff, uh, I would say they're probably components. Um, integration decided to load now, and this has quite a bit more stuff in it. Um, but I think... Uh, you know, if you want to do a uh, directive as an atom, that's totally fine too. Um, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules with this. We've gotten in a lot of like theoretical conversations with design about a button that had text, but then they wanted to add an icon to it. Um, to them, a button is an atom. And it can only be that button, and that's it. But then let's say you want to add this icon to it, and we defined it as an atom. Well, uh, you know, how does that work? Is the button that everyone says should always be an atom no longer an atom? Or is that really, like, just a property of the atom? Um, and then how do we reuse that icon that goes along that button, you know? Um, do... What what do we want to call that? Um, but I mean, just having like it as a property or whatever, like it it doesn't really matter the philosophical uh, uh, question too much. It's what works for you and and your team. You know, can we just spend less cycles on it and say this is an atom, uh, and you know the the icon is just 
an electron on the atom, like, like who cares, right? <laughs> and it goes back to, you know, a lot of this like typography and stuff. Uh, I forget exactly what they call this. It was, it was right before an atom. Uh, it's like a uh, blanking on the name right now, but a lot of those paragraphs, a lot like them, you know, like stick to it as much as you can, but use what works for you. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. So that's storybook. Uh, looks like we're coming up at about uh, seven minutes left. I've got a lot more material, but uh, we, maybe we can try one more thing to see if uh, the demo gods like me um, run. So we've been doing chaos testing. And chaos testing, I have a lot of fun with this. Uh, because I don't have to fix any of it. I make the dev team fix it, and I just go in there and find new things to do. But at a high level, uh, chaos testing is quite a bit. Netflix, um, the chaos monkey that I'm using will put a 500 on certain URLs in the app. Uh, it will also cause a uncaught, uncaught exception to be thrown in the app, which will crash it. Um, and then it will also just do a process exit. And I'm working on the memory and CPU pranks for this. Um, but uh, essentially, the developers would have this running in Int or QA. And then as the app deteriorates, they would need to fix it over time and make it resilient to uh, these issues. So um, what we're looking to do is uh, test that out real quick and see some of these pranks fire off. We'll go ahead and give it a look. Wow, that's that's crazy. So is it like then kind of like the end-to-end -end test scenario? Like it's it's going to spin the app up and then do this chaos on the running app in a browser? Yeah, yeah, it'll do the chaos, and you can see the process exiting and the 500 errors in and, and all that now. So, um, But since it's running as a PWA, you get... Uh, kind of uh, encapsulate away from some of it, and then we also have a script that runs that will restart the app uh, just in case anything happens. But uh, yeah, so um, does that say prank five hundred error? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me. Uh, they have pranks and sins. So uh, route five hundred error sin. So it starts up a 500 error on all of these routes. The w reason why I particularly kind of like this one is because it's on the health check route for the container. Uh, if that starts 500ing for too long, AWS will shoot it in the head. Uh, you can see here that it just did a prank uh, uncaught exception. Um, so it just threw an uncaught exception. But I wrote it in init.sh script. Um, that will actually wait for the process to crash. And if it does crash, it will wait one second and then reopen it. Um, then it reopens the zoo after it crashes, and it randomly picks either the uncaught exception or the process exit uh, with each run. Wow, that's crazy. So are the developers... Is it hard to debug this when this happens for them to go in there and figure oh, it out? Yeah, it's so weird. It's awesome. Um, like, I want to start doing things where I even start like deleting the containers and just being like, okay, guys, like, how do you get the site to continue running? Uh, things like that. 
Um, so right now, uh, you can see uh, sin uncaught exception being thrown. It just crashed. Then it should start firing up the uh, 500 errors on league pass. And then you can see HTTP error 500 here. Um, so we'll get that for another. Um, it just answered the 500. So we'll get that for a little bit longer. But if I go back into here and I uncheck this, you should get some resiliency back, right? Um, but yeah. That's wild. That's cool. You can see how that could be totally helpful. Sure. Yeah. Right. Well, interesting for me. Sure? <laughs> a challenge. A challenge. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I, we're getting close to the top of the hour, so probably should wrap it up. Oh, this is really interesting. A lot of stuff. That, that was crazy when you're listing out all those goals in the very beginning. I'm like, wow, that is, that is a lot of goals to hit. Uh, but yeah, you, it looks like you're all working through it. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, trying to get there. Trying to get there. Oh, cool. All right. Well, let's get into some picks, and then uh, and then we'll call it a show. So uh, the Seahawks panel's got any picks. Awesome. I have one. All right, Austin, go for it. So the Microsoft Edge browser, uh, in preview, it, the new version is in preview. It uses the Chromium engine, which means if you actually download it and open it up and like open a couple things, like it even shows like Chrome in the sub processes. Just super awesome. I don't know who this company is anymore, but. I never thought that my pick would be Microsoft Edge, Internet Explorer, whatever you call it today. Um, that's crazy. And it's also coming to Mac. All right, yeah. got to go. Can we get it on Mac, <laughs> Linux? Yeah. All right, all right. And that's your pick? That's your only pick? Oh, I've it's got another one, actually. So uh, you were talking about Storybook. Um, Storybook has a new version coming out that has documentation in it. So it's, I don't remember what this, it's like some flavor of Markdown that renders like HTML, like actually renders HTML and like JSX and other things like that. It is insanity. I just saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. All right, cool. And then last one, <laughs> Stack Blitz. They made a big announcement. Uh, they were, these guys are just out of control. Heart goes out to Eric and team. They can now, like they made an announcement at Google Next, I think, uh, how they have integration with uh, Google's like cloud functions and things like that. So you can literally create a project end-to-end, -end, including GitHub repos and everything with one click in StackBlitz. That's Great. it. All right. That's a good pick, too. All right, I had this wonderful pick um, about Edge uh, coming to Mac OS uh, coming soon, but um, I think you may have already heard about that <clears throat> a few minutes ago. Uh, but I do have another pick. Uh, Jonathan Carter, who works on the VS Code uh, team, uh, specifically related to LiveShare, 
um, had done something really cool with uh, Pomodoro and then sharing time um, across the session with other people. But the cool thing is that he detailed a little bit further uh, saying that it actually synchronizes uh, Redux state across VS Code Live sessions. So if you're doing something for a VS Code Live share as an extension uh, onto that, you can utilize that and it'll synchronize those values across all the people connected to that live share. So pretty cool. I'll share a uh, link to that as well. Nice, nice. Nice pick recovery there. I like that. <laughs> All right, Brian, do you have any picks? Sure. Uh, I didn't demo it today, but uh, CompoDoc uh, has actually been a really great thing that I've been working with, uh, especially if you're using everything in types that you need to be using. So uh, getting that kind of auto-generated documentation uh, with Angular has been really, really great getting the rest of the team spun up. Nice. Yeah, we had an episode long, long time ago uh, about that. We need to have a, an updated episode with, with the latest fiscal. I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of additional stuff. Right. Awesome. All right, Brian, thanks a ton for coming on the show, sharing your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. For sure, for sure. All right, that's a wrap. Catch everyone next time. See ya.